Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, ask questions, and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now, Taz and Paula. Good afternoon to all of our listeners. Our guest, David Young, known as the Romantic Pied Piper of the 21st century, or just one of the most unique, multi-talented self-starters in the music biz, who with his last $100, launched his own record company that has now sold over a million CDs. And mind you, he's been traveling for 40 weeks each year on the circuit for 10 years. No doubt he's breathing while on two flutes. (laughs) I'm not sure just how I brought David Young to my attention, scanning the Internet over the last month. But once he came in, let me tell you, He'll be a lifer in my music garden. David's writing skills for lyrics are fascinating and tell a story along with a rhythm and melody. It lit a fire in my listening, and I thought that I'd love to share it with all of you out there. This guy ignites a rhythm in the soul that's hard to let go of. You are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Taz. And I'm Paula. Well, Taz... David Young's story is a heart-toucher, and his music is, too. His performance, performances are visually and musically stimulating to any audience. Over the years, David has performed for Barbara Streisand, Elizabeth Taylor, Guns N' Roses, Paul McCartney, who started a standing ovation for him of one of his performances. His music has been played on hundreds of radio stations around the world, as well as on the soap operas like General Hospital, All My Children. And David wrote, purchased, and acted in the movie Village of Dreams, filmed in the world-famous Café Wolfhart Christmas Store in Rothenburg, Germany, which aired on television over 250 times last year. A companion's children's book was made along with the Village of Dreams movie and... There's more, Taz. Yes, Paula, there is more. And now in the past three years, George Harrison of the Beatles has been contacting and appearing in David Young's life, a Grammy-nominated songwriting musician, to be one of the conduits for his music and his message for humanity. Um, David's latest book, Channeling Harris, book one, mind you, Listen to that, book one. So there must be another one. So we'll find out from David in just a minute. This book is a true account of the ongoings and mind-blowing experiences um, between David Young and former Beatle George Harrison. 
David Young, we are so thrilled to have you with us sharing your, a journey. Perhaps even Mike, you might not have guessed just how good it was going to get. <laughs> Welcome. But, well, thank you so much. You guys sound so excited and so happy. <laughs> it's wonderful to well, hear that. Well, you know, with all the things you've accomplished, you must be over 200 years old. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. I can't believe well, it. When I, was, I was reading everything you've done. It's Actually, I'm 7,200 years old as long as you had, but I don't look pretty much over 40, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so I, I was I was reading I was reading your bio and you've been a musician since you were a little boy. Yep, I was. I started playing the recorder, which is like a little Renaissance flute that most kids learn in third grade. I started that in a New York City public school class, and really by a miracle, my class was given a second year of the recorder because the first year I was the worst in my class. But by the second year, I I started really getting the hang of it and. Um, I ended up studying from a guy in the New York Philharmonic Orchestra who was the most knowledgeable man on Baroque and Renaissance music in the United States at the time. And I was heading down this whole channel to play classical music, but um, when I was in junior high school, I heard my first Jethro Tull album, and three weeks later I completely quit my classical lessons, and I you know, got into listening to rock music and then I learned to play guitar, and I sang, and I played in rock bands all over the country, and until um, you know, I started making healing meditative music in 1990 with a, a woman in California because we had a group called Celestial Winds. You guys might might have heard of that out there because we sold about a hundred thousand albums in California alone. Oh and, yeah, uh, it was, I had yeah, a metaphysical bookstore. Oh, you did? I sold that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So all that music from Celestial Winds was me playing two flutes at one time, and my partner played the harp. Lisa played the harp. And um, after three years of working together, we decided to go our own ways, and she went solo, and so did I. And then I sold a million CDs after that. And so I had a successful career. I had been traveling all over the world, making movies. I've recorded 55 different albums. And so in 2010, it was very odd. And George, you're cutting out. We have a problem. You need to, um, I don't know, um, talk I, I, into the receiver did, or another okay. phone. Well, I'm on, you I'm, on the, I'm on the same line that I was on, and I haven't moved really at all, and I'm on a landline. Oh. Wow. Okay. Can so, you hear me? Yeah, no, we can it, hear you. You, just, you cut out just a little tiny bit. And, you know, you called me George. My name is David. George is my friend. I'm sorry. <laughs> David. Um, <laughs> well, George is coming through today. <laughs> hey, George, what's up with the phone line? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, well, I started um, in 2010 these experiences, these really bizarre experiences started happening in my life and I wasn't sure why they were happening because you know I I was a little bit too young to be a Beatles fan because I was born in 1961 and I thought channeling was just an absolute joke and I was afraid of ghosts so you know for those three reasons I thought you know why would 
why am I having this experience, you know? Because the only thing I knew about George Harrison was that he was in the Beatles, he was friends with Eric Clapton, and he had something to do with the concert for Bangladesh. So um, when, the, when these experiences started, and, you know, he definitely got my attention with the way, the, the way he, he started this with me. Um, what happened was I was moving from Minneapolis back to the East Coast because I was ending a nine-year relationship nine days before our anniversary, and I had adopted her two kids. And it's like everything in my life was just really, really going through uh, the shredder. <laughs> I'm sure you guys have heard about the shredder that happened around 2008, 2009, 2010. And so as I was driving across the country to move back east, which is something I really didn't want to do, but it was necessary because the airplane flights were getting so expensive, and I was doing 40 shows a year. So, you know, I was driving across the country. I felt terrible, and so I said to God, God, pick me some music that's going to help me feel better. And I randomly picked one CD out of the stack of about 50 CDs that I had. Paula, I'm not hearing him. Oh. Uh, I don't know why that's happening. Paula? I mean, yeah, I'm not I, changing. Well, he's coming anything. through to me, Taz. All right. Okay, okay. go ahead. Um, so as I was driving across the country, I put in the CD that I was asking God to give me something that would make me feel better. And the, the random CD I put in was Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And I thought, well, that sure is appropriate for how I'm feeling right now. And as I was listening to it, um, I got to the eighth song, which was George's song, Within You, Without You. And for some reason, it just calmed me down and brought me some peace. So I hit replay and hit replay again. And for three hours that day, I just kept listening to that song over and over again. I did that for three weeks until I got to New York because I had a couple of gigs in Chicago on the way. When I finally got to New York, I got to a friend's house who had um, found out that I had gotten a little famous. I used to give him guitar lessons when he was in junior high school and I was in high school. We get to his friend's house and sitting on his friend's television set is a DVD of the concert for Bangladesh, which I thought was very odd because I'd been listening to that one song from George Harrison's, you know, Within You Without You, you know. So I thought that was bizarre, so we just watched it. The very next day, um, for the first time in 20 years of doing 40 shows a year, I decided to carpool with another artist down to Baltimore. So I met this guy at his house outside of Princeton, New Jersey, I put my CDs, my flutes, my clothing in the back of his van. I sat down in the front seat of his van in the passenger seat, and sitting on the dashboard was a cassette tape of the concert for Bangladesh. And I thought, this is freaky. This is weird. I just watched the DVD the day before. Here, I don't know anything about George Harrison at all, and in 24 hours, he's popped up twice. So I asked my friend, what does this, this, this CD do in here? It was actually a cassette tape. I'm sorry. And he said, I went to the concert for Bangladesh. I bought two tickets for $3.50 each. And my two ticket stubs and this cassette have been in a box in my attic for 35 years. And I just took the cassette tape out this morning to listen to on the drive down to Baltimore. So wow. you can imagine on that three-hour drive, I stared at that tape thinking, what the <laughs> heck is going on here, you know? And so once that started, it just kept kept going. I mean, that got my attention wouldn't that have got your attention yeah sure you know, actually you know? that's three times because you were listening to it when you yeah. were driving and then 
third time it's always you're supposed to listen, so you did, I guess. <laughs> well, a couple of months went by, nothing happened, and then um, I decided to move down to a suburb of Philadelphia that was called Newtown, Pennsylvania, which was close to New Hope. And um, I met this woman, I started dating her, and on my third date she asked what the highlight of my career was, and I told her that in 1999 Paul McCartney started a standing ovation for me at, at a performance for his daughter Heather McCartney, and then she said, uh, did you know that George Harrison used to babysit me when I was a kid? Whoa. I was like, we were in a coffee shop. I was trying to play this cool, you know, it's only my third date with her, you know. I couldn't jump up and down and stand on the table and say, oh my God, you know, I couldn't do that at all, you know. So I, as cool as I could, I said, well, do you want to explain a little bit of that to me? And she said, my mom and George went to the same yoga ashram in Tucson, Arizona in the early 70s, and when my mom and my biological dad split up my mom and george started to date and a couple of months later they fell in love so george moved me and my mom to his castle in england that's where i grew up yeah. and uh yeah it was I'm, oh I'm my god I, yeah it was so so weird because at that point i'm like okay i get it there's something going on here. I don't know what I have to do with any of this stuff, but there's something definitely going on, you know. And every time I would get together with this woman over the two months that we dated, there was this love in the room. Now, normally, if there's love in a room, it's normal to think that it's the, the energy between you and this person, right? Yeah. You know? right. Well, yeah. I, I didn't understand it at the time, but, you know, this was George's energy in the room because he loved her because, you know, she was his his stepdaughter for a while. And I didn't know this at the time, but I found out much later that George had had numerous past lives with me where we were either brothers or closer than brothers. And he explained to me that we were like twin flames. And because most of the time people think of twin flames as being a romantic couple, you know, um, but we were connected for so many lifetimes that go back so many thousands of years. And he's explained some of these things to me. So that's what our bond was. I was in the same soul group as him, even though I didn't know this at the time. And it wasn't until three years after those experiences that I found this stuff out. I just thought, well, if he was her stepdad as a kid, you know, he wanted her to be happy. And I really liked her, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had been in a nine-year relationship before that and a seven-year marriage before that. So for the past 16 years, um, when this started in 2010, I was used to being in a relationship. I had never dated anybody that was emotionally unavailable because I'd been in relationships that were, you know, solid relationships. And so, well, George wanted to do everything he could to help me um try to get through to his stepdaughter and so he appeared in my bedroom and he played guitar for me and we wrote a song together and that was the first time I ever wrote a song with one of the Beatles. Have you guys ever done one of those or no. <laughs> no? Okay. Well it was just my first time anyway. And um then the next day while I was recording the song that he wrote with me in a recording studio, he appeared as this incredible blue sparkling light in the in the room where I was recording, it was amazing. It was like close encounters of the George kind or something. It was just amazing, you know, incredible. Um, and so these experiences 
have kept up over the last three years and um, three and a half years, and it's been incredibly wild ride. I I never ever thought I'd be talking about this because I didn't believe in this stuff. I had been meditating for 27 years. I was a student of Eckenkar starting in 1983, and so I hadn't had a beer or a glass of wine or anything um, because that was not part of the program. And so I was having these pure, pure, pure spiritual experiences with George, completely clueless of, of any of it, up until October when he got me a publishing deal. I mean, it sounds amazing how he could do this from heaven. He can do a lot of stuff from heaven. You know, um, <laughs> you know he's very talented, not only in the guitar, but, you know, he's uh, he the way he manifests these things in my life is just, I could say it was out of this world, but, you know, that could be a little cheesy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like it, that's for sure. My gosh. So um, among the songs that George has um, brought to you on another level, what are some of the stories behind those songs? And maybe a special one that that you would want to talk about, like how it really came about and and how the lyrics and, and that kind of thing, you know, is, is involved here. Well, for sure. The, the one song that instantly comes to mind is the song, I'm Still Missing You. When I started dating his daughter, I started getting this flow of creativity. I'm, I've been a creative person my whole life, but this flow of creativity that happened when I started dating her, like, tripled the creativity that I normally had, okay? And so anytime I would think of anything I wanted to say to her, if it was a sentence, in two minutes that sentence was a melody, and in 15 minutes it was a complete song. And these things happened every night, 30, 3 o'clock in the morning, you know. Well, I had written this one set of lyrics, and it was the only lyrics that no music instantly connected with it. You know, and so these lyrics were on a piece of paper that were on my nightstand for about ten days. Every morning I wake up and look at these lyrics and wonder why nothing was coming because I would try to write something with it and nothing would connect with it. And every night when I get home, I'd look at the lyrics again. It was just a baffling thing for me. And and the lyrics were different than the other lyrics that I had been writing. Um, they were kind of there was a universal message in there, and the words were, "I wish I really knew what life was all about." why some people have so much and others live without. And if I ever understand all the struggles I've been through, then maybe I'll understand why I'm still missing you. I wish I really knew why this world had so much pain and why we live and why we die and then do it all again. And if I ever understand all the struggles I've been through, then maybe I'll understand why I'm still missing you. And so after about 10 days of this, I wake up in the middle of the night as usual, and I looked at those lyrics because I had this, this inner feeling to pick up the lyrics and look at them. So I'm sitting in my bed. It's absolute silence because I was living in the suburbs, and there was no noises from cars going by. I mean, there were no cars going by. It was absolute silence. And in a little bit of frustration, I said to myself out loud, how is the music supposed to go for these lyrics? And at that exact moment, the spirit appeared to the right of my bed, and this spirit played guitar for me and played this riff, this piece of music, twice. 
that was it. While I picked up my guitar, my fingers went to the exact notes that he had just played, which is kind of bizarre. And those words went perfect with this music that he gave me. And it became this song, I'm Still Missing You. And, um, you know, that was a song when I was recording it in the studio. He appeared as this light right next to me. You know, I was like, wow, I knew it was... Because while I was recording it, I literally, inside my mind, I had headphones on, but inside my head I was saying, man, this music sounds a lot like something George Harrison would have wrote. And boom, he appeared right after that. You know, I mean, it was perfect timing. You know, and that's one of the things that's been going on the last three, three and a half years is that I will have a thought about something and a magical thing will happen. It's gotten to the point now where he appears to me as this light and I'll think about him and this light will pop up in front of me. Um, and it's incredible because it's so consistent, you know. And then, um, well, this is a... This is a hilarious story, but, you know, after I had this incredible experience with him while I was in Hawaii, because uh, the energy in Hawaii is so amazing, it's so uplifting, and um, I went into meditation in Hawaii because it was three years into the experience, and I really wanted to get some answers, you know, because I had felt that I had done everything on my side to document all of these all of these miracles, all these synchronicities that he was planting in my life because this became a part-time job in my life. I mean, I would spend 10 or 20 hours a week just writing up all the stories of his things in my life, his interaction, you know. And so I really wanted to have some answers. I felt I really deserved it, you know. And so I went into a meditation in Hawaii while I was sitting by the ocean with these giant mountains behind me. And... Um, his energy came through to me, and it was like nothing I had ever experienced in my life. Um, it was definitely uh, an enlightened energy, and I felt like I, I had a little coffee cup in front of a waterfall, and I was trying to catch his energy in this little coffee cup, and it was... Mm-hmm. I'd never felt so small in my life, to tell you the truth, you know, but there was so much love and the peace that he showered me, showered me with um, was beyond anything I ever felt. And I knew that he had the enlightenment. I mean, we we grow up, you know, thinking, well, you're either a Buddhist or you're a Christian or you're, you're Jewish or whatever religion you are, and there's only, you know, it's either this or nothing, you know. But what I got in that experience was that all of these experiences all of these religions, they're all connected because they were all initially started by somebody who meditated, had a a deep desire to have a greater knowing for God or energy, spirit, the universe. And because they spent a lot of time in meditation, they had this enlightenment. And actually the word Buddha just means the enlightened one. And so George had this enlightenment and basically he wanted me to write about it and he was definitely going to be um very involved in whatever was written about him because he wanted everything to be true and an example of this is after he got me the publishing deal with the guy who published conversations with god that sold like 10 million copies um i was at my publisher's place and we had gone through the whole book and he said you know anybody who's going to buy this book 
is going to want to know why George chose you and what this is all about. And at that point, I didn't know why George chose me. I didn't know what it was all about. I hadn't had that experience that I was just telling you about in Hawaii. So my publisher was um, saying, we've got to write something because everybody who buys the book is going to want to know that. And I said, I would love to know what this is all about because I didn't know what it was all about. So he says, we have to write something. So he's on his computer writing into the manuscript, and he starts speaking out loud while he's typing. He says, what George wants is, and before he could finish the sentence, George turned off the power in his house. All the lights went out. The computer went dead. You know, my publisher looked at me like with a look on his face that I'll never forget. (laughs) You know, and for the first time, I got to see someone else being the effect of this stuff. You know what I mean? Because I've been experiencing this crazy stuff for three years. You know what I mean? And my publisher had published hundreds of books on the paranormal, spirituality, channeling, all of this stuff, you know, and it was just so classic to to see that look of shock on his face because, you know, there was not a cloud in the sky. It was a beautiful day. Um, there was no wind or anything. It was just he shut off the power in his house because he didn't want my publisher to write what he thought George wanted. You know, and eventually, you know, a few weeks later, I would go to Hawaii and I would have that experience and then it changed everything in me because after that experience, I was able to receive more because he had kind of like opened me up spiritually to a higher level than I was already at. You know, I was already meditating at that point for that point for 30 years, 20, 30 minutes a day I was meditating, you know. So I had achieved some spiritual upliftment or climbing the spiritual ladder, if you want to call it that, you know. Um, but, you know, I had, um, I'd never experienced anything like that. And it really changed my life for, forever. And the unique thing for me is that since the book has come out, you know, it's on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, it's on my website, DavidYoungMusic.com, I can't, I can't believe how many people I have met at book signings or at these events that I do. I can't believe how many people have actually had experiences, spiritual experiences, with George Harrison or John Lennon. Um, as of last week, there were nine different people who had, a, who had an amazing story that I'm putting each one of these stories into book two. But this past week, I just flew to Denver to sign books at the New Age trade show in Denver. And there was a line of people, you know, for me to sign the book for them. And I literally lost count how many different stories I heard from people on that line who felt comfortable sharing their story of George appearing to them or John Lennon appearing to them. And now I've lost count because, you know, there were so many people on the line and I was signing books. I've, I don't know how many there are, but it's amazing. They, um, they not only achieved a spiritual awareness that is much higher than the average person, but, you know, if you think about it, if you think about the effect that the Beatles had on people, it was a profound effect that they had. You know, um, it just wasn't normal how crazy people were going over the Beatles. You know what I mean? There were four guys with electric guitars and drums who who sang well together, you know. But, you know, just for the record, you know, I talked to George about the whole Beatlemania thing, and he told me they didn't understand it. 
they didn't understand why it was happening and what was going on. You got to remember that for for years they were in a basically a dance cover band, and I'm not saying that to be you know derogatory or anything, but you know they were like a cover band in your neighborhood that played all the popular songs of of their time, and they were turned down by all the record companies for three years. You know, a lot of these record companies said no two or three times to them before the one time they said yes. And so with that kind of rejection, you, you can imagine that would hurt your confidence a little bit, you know. Um, yeah. And then when they finally when they finally took off, um, what ended up happening with them, I mean, just imagine one of your friends in a cover band all of a sudden being treated like um, these musical gods that people made the Beatles out to be because they had that kind of effect on people. And you can imagine how surreal it would be to, you know, not get a 20% pay raise, but like a 2 million percent pay raise, and all of a sudden people are chasing you around all over the place and think you're God's gift to music, you know. It was a, it was a, a giant head trip that, it's very unique because every guy in the world back then wanted to be one of the Beatles and every girl back then wanted to marry one of the Beatles, but nobody really had a clue on how difficult it was to be one of the Beatles because it was such a bizarre head trip, you know? Uh, now, um, back to when you met his stepdaughter, did she? Was she uh, did you tell her about the messages you were receiving from George? Well... First of all, she had a lot of trust issues because she had, um, that was the problem, you know. She had been through four guys with four midlife crises, one after another for a year. Each, you know, each one was a year, four years in a row. So, I mean, she she had a difficult time trusting men. So when those three miracles happened in that, you know, in that 12-hour period there, um, I told her that three miracles happened that I wanted to explain to her. But, you know, every time we would get close, we would, um, she would, a couple of days after we would get close, she would, like, tell me, you know, I'm not ready to start a relationship, and I know there's this closeness that we feel, but, you know, I'm just not ready for this. You know, I'd say fine, and what had happened, the, the comical part about this whole thing, and all this stuff is true, and it's it's so hilarious how some of this stuff was set up, but, you know, Thousands of yoga instructors use my instrumental flute music in their yoga classes. And because she was a yoga teacher, I gave her a couple of the CDs, and she used them every day in her classes, and her students loved the music and everything. And because I had <laughs> given her some of my yoga music, she agreed to give me free soup till 2015 because she had this vegetable garden in her backyard, and she made the most incredible vegetable barley soup I ever had, and I love soup. So we would get together... You know, this thing would get all heated up, you know, and then she would, you know, say, okay, let's just be friends and let's just back this thing down a little bit, you know. So she'd give me a Tupperware thing of soup and I'd take it back to my place and four or five days later I'd run out of the soup because it was so great, you know, and I'd call her up, I'd say, I'm out of soup. So <laughs> I'd come over again, it would start the whole thing all over again, and this went on and on for two months. I mean, it was really the last thing I needed um, because I was just, I was trying to heal up from ending a nine-year relationship where I lost two kids. And here, you know, it was, it, was not, it was not good. But it was all part of the plan because, um, you know, George 
it was almost like the three of us, she and I and George were making like this matrix. And it was odd because we met on 10-10-10, October 10th, 2010. And she read on the internet the following day that some magical heavenly force was re-emerging on Earth for the first time in thousands of years. And so she thought this was this wonderful sign that we met. I just don't think she was ready to love somebody. And, you know, that happens to people. You know, it was just I hadn't experienced it before, and so it was a really it was a tough time for me, to say the least, you know. And when the relationship ended, I, I really think that George felt bad because, you know, it was really the last thing I needed, you know. I was really, really sad about the whole thing. And so I was meditating, and he came into my third eye. He came into my spiritual eye. He shook my hand, and this electricity went into my hand, up my arm, filled my whole heart and my mind and my whole body, and I woke up two hours later. Oh, you know, that was, the, that was the first time I ever experienced anything like that. Have you guys ever experienced anything like that? No. <laughs> no, no. It's beautiful. You know, <clears throat> let me, um, let me, uh, first of all, we do have uh, one of the songs we'd love to play for our listeners. Beautiful. And, um, Which one? I, Ancient Treasure. Ancient Treasure. Oh, okay, sure, yeah. That's one of my yeah. flute albums. Um, yeah. It's, uh, I think it was about the 15th album that I did. It has a little bit of a mystical sound. Some of it sounds like it could be Egyptian or Middle Eastern. Um, so, yeah, I like to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love my music. <laughs> okay. Soundtrack with book two, 
And of all songs for you to pick, I mean, that's amazing. I can tell you the words that I wrote if, if you'd like to hear them. Oh, yes, please. Okay. So the words are, so just imagine that there's a children's choir singing this, okay? And this, this children's choir is in heaven singing this down to people on earth. My life is perfect. And the purpose of my life is designed to teach me everything I need, leading me to a joyful life, leading me to joy. That's the words of the music that goes with that music you just played. It makes me want to cry. Wow. It's so beautiful. Oh, don't cry. It's <laughs> going to mess up your makeup. Don't do <laughs> Actually, we're, we're sitting in our... our uh, Office with our pajamas and, and bunny slippers on. <laughs> uh, David, also, you know what? I'm, I had a great chance, and I, I put it on Facebook also on our on our uh, Taz and Paula show Facebook. Uh, the song that you sang, Forever One, I just love Forever One. That is so awesome. And uh, and That's also a, the song Perfection. Well, um, do you want me to talk a little bit about those two songs? Oh, yeah, would sure. you please? Okay. Um, I made a CD called Solace um, in 2009 that was nominated for a Grammy for Best New Age Album. And there was a song on Solace that was called Calling All Souls. And the song was... It sounded similar to that song that you just played, as a matter of fact, with harp and flutes and this kind of deep moving sound. And any time I would play that song at my booth at trade shows or performances, I mean, you could really feel it changed the room. And so I decided to write words for that song. This is so incredible how this came together with you playing that song and how this connects all, you know. So I wrote words to that song. The original title was Calling All Souls, but the words that I wrote were all about global unity, about that all the people in the world, we're all one. We're all part of humanity. Just the same way in our bodies, we have you know, all these cells that are all working together in our body to have harmony, and so our body works. And so it was like I was just given this image about that, and so I wrote the song Forever One, out of that song that originally was on the Solace album, you know. And it was such a powerful song, I decided to make a music video of it with my band at the time. And my band was called Namaste. And so the day we went in to, re- to record the, um, the video for the song Forever One was the morning after the terrible earthquake in Haiti where everybody in the world was focused on how can we help the people in Haiti, you know? And I just thought it was so bizarre that, um, you know what I mean? Because that song is about about unity and about helping each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just incredible. Yeah. And so here we are filming a video, and everybody's talking about, about this catastrophe in Haiti, you know? Well... So that's where the song Forever One came from. And if you guys go on to YouTube, you can look it up, you know. That's me singing and playing the flutes and playing the guitar. <laughs> oh, it's, it's just, you know, it just really expresses, um, you know, expresses that the the song is just, 
it opens up and allows people to see that there are new ba- no boundaries. Yeah. That you know we are all one, and it's just so precious. That just you know, and I love sharps in music anyhow. <laughs> mm. Now, what was the other song that you wanted me to explain? Oh, perfection. 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 Oh man, you know, part of okay, the words of perfection are the the last song that's included in Channeling Harrison book one, the first book. And, you know, in the soundtrack CD that's a companion to the book, you can, you know, that comes with the soundtrack. It's the very last song. There is a a video of me singing Perfection that's on my website, David Young Music. But the story of how the song Perfection happened is, is really incredible. I tell it every night that I do these events, you know. And this is what happened. So when I got back from Hawaii and I had that incredible experience, it was very difficult for me to sleep for weeks because all of this energy was flowing in me and it was just, I couldn't sleep. And what I was doing is that in the middle of the night when I couldn't sleep, I would be typing into my iPhone the different stories of all the miracles that were happening every day, sometimes twice a day, sometimes four times a day. See, a couple of years ago, these things would only happen once every month or two. But once I had that experience in Hawaii, the energy that was flowing through this whole experience was was amazing. I mean, I had never experienced anything like it, and it has not stopped since October. And so what happened is that I was, in, I was up in the middle of the night, and I was typing these stories into my cell phone. And so I finished writing the first story. I hit send. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm in my bedroom. There's no sounds happening anywhere. And at the exact moment when I hit send, this bell rings in my closet. Now, chills, my hair stands up on my arms and the back of my neck, and I open up the closet. There's no bell in there. I close the closet again. Sit back down in my bed. I know it's George, but (laughs) it still freaks me out because, as I said when we started the interview, I was afraid of ghosts. I had some bad experiences with ghosts earlier in my life, and so I didn't think that there was any such thing as a loving spirit. I only thought of ghosts as negative spirits the way they portray them in almost all of the movies that have ever been made. There's only one movie I can think of that portrays a spirit in a positive light, and that is the movie Ghost with Whoopi Goldberg. And... um, that that's the only one I knew of. So anyway, so I write another story into my iPhone. I hit send. Ding! The bell goes off in the same spot in my closet. I get the chills. My hair stands up on my arms and my neck. Okay, this happens seven times, and I get the chills, and it scares me seven times. Well, after the seventh time, I think, you know, every time I, I do this, the bell is ringing. I hear it. It's like completely clear, you know. Um, So I thought to myself, I wonder what's going to happen if I write something in the subject line of an email that's not true, because everything I was writing was true. So I wrote some phony thing in the email that was not true. I hit the the send button. The bell doesn't ring. Wow. Yeah, then I start writing another one that is true, and ding, the bell rings again. So this goes on 25 times, okay, and I'm copying my closest friends and my publisher, I'm saying, oh my gosh, you guys aren't going to believe it, but every time I write something that's true and I hit send, George rings this bell in my room. 
Well, I was wondering what would happen if you really sat in the closet and read. <laughs> you know what? All right, then I'll tell you the rest of the story. So after a while, I get brave with this thing, you know, because now I've gotten so used to it, I'm not getting the chills. It's not freaking me out. I just think it's fun, you know. And so I write something that's true in the subject line. I walk right up to the closet. I hit the send button, and the bell rings, but he moves four feet down the wall. You know, he moved the sound, so it wasn't in the same place. It was four feet down the wall. So I'm playing with this. I'm right. Okay, I can I can do this, right? So I write something else that's true. I go to the new spot in the wall, which is four feet down. I hit send. He moves it four feet further down the wall. So I do that again. He gets. So then the next time, it's right by the by the window by my wall. I hit I hit send, and he makes the sound go by the front door because I guess he didn't like being up on the fifth floor because I was on the fifth floor by the window, you know? So, I don't know, maybe he was afraid of heights. Who knows, you know? So <laughs> so this thing went round and around. And the next morning, so I, next morning, I woke up, I started doing it again, and it was working. I was like, holy mackerel. Who, I never even thought that something like this could happen, you know? So my mom, I was I was at my mom's apartment staying there for a little while while I was doing some concerts on the East Coast, you know? And so... My door was open to the room, and my mom walks by. I said, Mom, come in here and sit down next to me. So she sits down next to me. I write something that's true in the phone. I hit the send button. Ding. It goes off. Goes off. I said, Mom, did you hear that? She said, yeah. I said, what was it? She said, it was a bell. I said, do you know who that was? She said, yeah, that was George. Because my mom got used to George <laughs> being around the apartment. You know what I mean? Um, and I said, Mom, that didn't scare you? She said, no. I said, okay, I got an idea. I'm going to write something true in this because as long as I read something true in the subject line, that's what makes the bell go off. I'm going to hand you the phone and see if it works with you pressing the send button. But my mom has these really long nails, and, you know, those things are like heat sensitive off of your skin. So my mom held the phone in her hand, and I reached over, and I hit send. I pressed the send button. Bing! The bell went off. I, I did it one more time. And it went off again the third time, and my mom said, can we do something else because I'm getting bored with this. You know? <laughs> so um, it was incredible. So whenever I'm you know, on the East Coast doing these events um, that are called David Young Channeling George Harrison, I bring my mom up, on, and she loves to tell the story, you know, because it's, it's so fun. So how did the whole – so what happens next is that I start playing with it, and I start asking some questions that I guess I shouldn't have asked. And so the bell stopped. Two hours, and then I had to run out and do some errands. Um, I tried it when I was in my car. For some reason, it didn't work in my car. It was only working in that room. And so I got back after two hours running errands, and I tried it again. It still didn't come back. didn't come back the whole rest of the day. And I And I realized, oh, my God, I've messed this thing up. The book is finished. He's He's gone. I couldn't feel his presence at all. He, his light wasn't popping up at all. I mean, it was like he was gone. And I thought, oh, my God, I really ruined this whole thing. And, um, you know, after three and a half years of this, it was really ex- upsetting to me because here I had this invisible friend that all, all the different things that had happened were incredible, and now he's gone. And um, I started thinking about how, Every one of these miracles that he would do, 
were, was always at the perfect time, at the perfect place, you know, just like me hitting the send button on, on my phone when I was writing something that was true in it, you know. It was perfect timing. It, it couldn't have been any more perfect timing. And so I, I wrote this song called Perfection, and I bawled my eyes out crying the whole time writing it, you know. And um, the words were uh, the perfect timing, the perfect place. Your miracles always put smiles on my face. I can't help but see them. They're all over the place. Your miracles put smiles on my face. It's perfection, sweet perfection. There's perfection in everything you do. There's perfection, sweet perfection. There's perfection in everything you do. And then there's another verse of it. And so I decided to go into a recording studio and record that song, you know. And I actually made a video of it while I was recording it. And if you see the video on my website, because that video is not on YouTube yet, but if you see the video on the web, my website, you're going to see I have dark circles under my eyes because I had been bawling my eyes out the whole day. Um, you know, just you know, it was just so upsetting. So after the song was done and the recording was done and the the de- um, the video was done, I went back to to the apartment. I laid down in the bed and the bell came back. Oh. oh. Yeah. Oh, how precious. So, yeah, it was amazing. It was such an incredible experience, you know, and I was so happy to hear the bell again, <laughs> you know, because, you know, I, you can imagine, you know, having an invisible friend who happened to be one of the Beatles and one of the most loved musicians of all time, you know, have having his presence around me for three and a half years, I got used to having his presence around. I loved having his presence around, you know. You um did. And it was a heartbreak when I thought that I messed the whole thing up and he wasn't going to come back anymore, you know? <laughs> now, in, in, in any of your videos, uh, have you seen a light or some... Have you seen a light or something that showed up while you were singing? <laughs> well, sometimes... okay. If if I was able to show you this, these pictures on my cell phone, you, you just... You, you wouldn't believe it. Um, if you take orbs and times it by... 10,000, that's what happens sometimes when I take a picture. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it is amazing. Just, uh, I, I don't understand how, you know, we communicate all the time, you know. And honestly, when you were asking me, you know, do I see any light, I, he popped up as that light right as you were asking me that, you know, mm-hmm. which was which was really fun. Um, and... You'll have yeah, to send I mean, us a picture, you'll, yeah. David. You'll have to send us a picture, and we'll put it on our Facebook um, so that people can see. And, uh, yeah, this is really incredible. You know, I was I, just I, thinking, you know, oh, Pete, when you're at the um, book signings and things like that, you want to keep a recorder. And when people put the stories out there, you'll, you'll record each one of them. Well, do you want to be my road manager? That's a great idea. <laughs> you know, are are you going to ever be in California in the near future? Um, it's possible I'm going to be coming back there to do like a Barnes and Noble book tour in September, but it, it's not totally confirmed yet. Um, and I love California because I lived there for a while. But you know, I just had something that I I, I really wanted to share with your listeners. You know, um, you know, George told me that one of the reasons why this whole experience is happening with me and why he was directed 
directed by the source, you know, spirit, to do this with me is because for, you know, for thousands of years, when we were Aboriginal people and Native American people, when we were, you know, living a simpler life back then in that era, you know, it was so important for people to feel connected to their ancestors, their loved ones that had already crossed over because just surviving in the elements and in nature, it took every bit of your spiritual awareness to survive or else, you know, you were lunch for, for an animal or or something, you know, that could really hurt you terribly, you know, out in the jungle or a forest or a desert, you know what I mean? And so developing that relationship with your loved ones who had crossed over, your ancestors, was part of life. And it was accepted, it was talked about, it was looked at in reverence of love and respect. And it's only been in modern times where it became taboo a couple of hundred years ago to even talk about the presence of your loved ones who have already crossed over, that that inner guidance, that feeling that they are with you. And so what George explained to me, and this is like, I think this is like the most important thing of everything, of this whole experience of why it's happening. It's that God doesn't want us to be afraid of feeling the presence of our loved ones who have crossed over into the heavenly worlds. I mean, we all cross that bridge at some point in our life. I mean, that's part of life is, you know, when this life ends, you know. But the fact that we continue on as soul um, and that if you have love with someone who's been an integral part of your life, who has been meaningful to you, that love never goes away. That love stays. You know, my mom used to tell me for 10 years since my grandmother passed away that she used to feel my grandmother's presence with her most of the time. And because I had never had an experience with anything like that, even though I'd been meditating for 27 or 30 years, I never had an experience with it. So anytime she would talk to me about it, I would, I would dismiss it. That's the nicest way I could say. I never took it seriously, you know, because I thought it was her imagination or, or whatever. I just really didn't take it seriously, you know. And what this experience is showing, and part of the reason is that George has had this enlightenment. He is in such a higher state of consciousness now that he's able to do this stuff. But it's, it's also because whatever the Beatles did, reached millions of people. People had a love for the Beatles that there isn't any artist nowadays that is loved like that the way the Beatles were loved in the 60s and the 70s and the way they were revered. And, you know, a lot of times people looked at them as messengers, you know, and in a, in a way they were messengers, you know, but because whatever the Beatles did got so much attention and became a part of life on Earth. That's why... God chose George to do this thing with me, and that's what this thing is really all about. Because everybody who's listening out there, you all have loved ones, friends, grandparents, husbands who've passed away, somebody who you loved that's not alive physically anymore. And these souls want you to open your heart and, their, and your mind to them 
because they're there. They want to be connected with you. They want to share that love they've always had with you. They still have that love with you. And that's what this is really all about. To open people's minds up to the possibility that you can have that experience. And it's beautiful. It's nothing to be afraid of. You know, I don't know if your loved one will ring a bell in your room, but, you know, even if they don't ring a bell in your room, you know, they're, they're trying to communicate with you because from what I understand, the worst part of dying is when you get to heaven and the people on earth think you've either disappeared or disagre- disintegrated into nothing and that you are unreachable. But one of the things that happens at these events that we've been doing is that I started, you know, I would do these meditations with people at the events, you know, and people started telling me they were having experiences with their loved ones who are not alive physically anymore. And this woman told me at one event that her husband died in 9-11 and he came back to her. I had another woman tell me that both her mom and dad had died in a car accident many years earlier. And her, both her mom and dad came back to her. And she hugged them, and she was able to tell her mom and dad all the things she never got to say to them. You know, I hear this every single night we do an event. And so I was starting to notice that in the back of the room, above the heads of the people, I would see these light beings. And um, it was consistent. And so I asked George, I said, who are these light beings in the back of the room? And he said that when people register for an event, one of our events, from his elevated position or his viewpoint in heaven, he can see who is going to be coming to these events. So he contacts their relatives in heaven and he brings them to the event so they can reconnect with their loved ones. And that's the, that's the light bodies, the, the souls you're seeing in the back of the room over the heads of the people. Wow. So when, oh. <laughs> when somebody comes to see your events, uh, they sign up for more than what they... <laughs> you got triple. You got triple people. <laughs> in the whole yeah, that was a good deal, right? <laughs> well, yeah, let's yeah. tell everybody well, you know, about your, your website, because we only have like a, about a minute left here. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Shit. Yeah, it's com. DavidYoungMusic.com. And And don't forget the book, Channeling Harris, book one. Uh, You know what? This is uh, really awesome. I I feel like I'm playing two flutes and listening to the echo, and it takes me out into the the ethers. (laughs) And are your events events listed on your uh, website? Well, the events were. I, I don't have any events coming up for this next month or two just because I'm working so hard on finishing book two. But um, if you go onto my website, you know, whenever there are events, you know, you will see them. And, you know, just for the record, um, you know, I do live in America. I'm supposed to go to England later this year, but, you know, I don't know exactly when that is. But if you live in America and, you know, if you have a wellness center or, you know, some kind of spiritual place that you'd like to have an event, you can you can inquire on my website, you know, through my newsletter and just um, send a, you know, send a little note with your email, say you heard me on the Taz and Paula show. And, you know, when I'm in your area, if it's possible to set up an event, then it would it would be wonderful, you know. Great. Well, we have a Jesus. wonderful bookstore in our area, the East West Bookstore, so we'll be sure to clue them. Yeah, in. yeah, that, that would be great. Uh-huh. Now, where you are, that's in 
California. Isn't there an East West Bookstore up in Seattle? I know I've heard of that. There's one in Seattle too. There's one in San Francisco. Yeah, there's one in Yeah. Okay. There are different places. David, thank you. What what a gift to us and to our listeners. It's been really 